pray that as we get into your word now, that you would open our eyes to see its truth and help us to live according to this word. In Jesus' name, amen. So in verses 19 through 21, you remember last week, James was teaching us how to receive uh, the word of God. But in these verses, he's teaching us how to respond to the word of God. Verse 22 starts with a command and ends with a warning. James tells us, be you doers of the word and not hearers only. Now let's consider a couple of things about that. First of all, James is speaking to people that go to church. Now, I think that's clear because James tells us that these are people who are hearing the word of God. In other words, they are sitting beneath the preaching of God's word. Uh, the word was being explained to them. It was being broken down into bite-sized portions so they could understand it. There was a preacher who was spending time in prayer, who was studying the word of God to give them a message. Now, all of these people were new to Christianity. And certainly it was difficult for them to understand the deep things of God that was revealed in their new faith. But God had given them, by his grace, a church. God had given them, by his grace, a pastor. God had given him, by his grace, teachers to help them understand the word of God. Now, James is letting us know that there's no virtue in simply hearing the word of God. There's no virtue in simply sitting down and listening to God's word. In other words, God doesn't give us points because we sit through a sermon. It's very sad that there are people who go to church week after week but don't give, don't worship, and don't listen. Now, they may think that somehow that they have blessed God by their presence, but the reality is they haven't. Now, after commanding us to be doers of the word, James then warns us. He says, deceiving your own selves. And his point is that if we just hear God's word but don't obey God's word, we're giving ourselves a false sense of security. We're deceiving ourselves into believing that we have somehow benefited from God's word because we've simply heard God's word. And I think more directly, James is saying that we deceive ourselves into thinking that we're saved when we're not. And consider what the Bible says about, about obedience to God's word and how it relates to salvation. Uh, it says, He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. 1 John 2, 4. John 14, 24. He that loveth me not, keepeth not my sayings. Luke six forty six. And why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say. Which I say, That was Jesus speaking. So if you're truly saved, your life is going to be characterized by a desire to obey the word of God and a love for the word of God. And if there's no pattern of obedience to God's word in your life, you may think you're saved, but you're not. You need to recognize that you could be deceived about your salvation. Christianity is filled with people who have listened to truckloads of sermons yet continue to live in disobedience to God. And their problem isn't that they haven't heard enough sermons. Their problem is that they haven't obeyed what they have heard in the sermon. Now, when you move to verses 23 and 24, you see that James illustrates what the forgetful hearer 
that he was speaking of in verse 22 looks like. He compares him to a man that looks into a mirror and then forget what he looks like. Let's think about that analogy for just a moment. That word beholding, he beheld himself, uh, that James uses here is a word that means to look intently. It means to study. So this person comes to a mirror and studies himself or herself. This person looks at the mirror, sees the reflection of, of himself or herself, and just really studies it. He looks intently as, at the image reflected. Now, we can assume that this is a person who's looking in a mirror because they're concerned about the way they look. Um, perhaps they're looking in the mirror because they want to groom themselves. And anybody who looks into a mirror long enough can find something they need to fix on their face. You know, maybe your face needs to be washed. Maybe your hair needs to be combed. Maybe there's some shaving cream or some toothpaste in the corner of your mouth. Who knows? But here, after looking in the mirror, this is a person who looks intently but then says, you know what, I, I don't need to make any changes at all. Now, that doesn't mean. That, that he or she didn't see anything wrong. It means that they didn't fix what they saw was wrong right away. And after they left the mirror, they forgot all about what they saw in the mirror. So they perhaps saw, I've got some sleep in the corner of my eye. Oh, that's not a big deal. And when they walk away from the mirror, they forget about it, and so they go into town. And what do they have? They have all this stuff in the corner of their eye. And James said that, that that was the same way that the people in the church were acting. The people were coming to church. They were hearing a sermon. And as they heard the sermon, they realized that they needed to groom themselves. They realized that there were some things they needed to clean up. But they didn't do it while they were looking in a mirror. They didn't do it while they were at church and the word of God was being preached and reality was being revealed to them. They decided, you know what, I'm just going to wait. And after they got home, they forgot what it was that they needed to fix. Folks, when we hear a sermon or we're in the Word of God studying the Word of God and God shows us that there's something that we need to fix in our life, we ought to fix it right then and right there. If we don't, we'll be like the person James is warning us about here, the person who looks in the mirror as if he or she is going to groom himself, but when he or she sees what's wrong, just walks away and ends up forgetting about it. So after giving us an example that we're to shun, don't be like this person, now James gives us an example that we're to follow. No, notice what James calls the Bible. He calls the Bible the perfect law of liberty. Now it's perfect because it doesn't have any error in it. It's complete. It needs nothing else. It's the law because it instructs us on in how we are to live. And it's liberty because the teachings of the Word of God set us free from the power of sin. So it's the perfect law of liberty. Now, now in this verse, James describes a blessed man. He says the blessed man, well, that's, that's a happy man. He's a man that experiences the benefits of obeying what God says. And James says that if we want to be like him, he says that there are four things that, that we need to do. There are four things that we need to do. Whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continues therein, he being not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, 
this man shall be blessed in his deeds. The first thing that he tells us we need to do is we need to look intently into God's word. Uh, the, the principle here, oh, my phone fell, y'all. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. I got you, I'm back. The principle here is that we should be searching the Word of God. We should be looking intently into the Word of God. And why are we looking intently into the Word of God? We're looking intently into the Word of God because we want to live our life by the standard of God's Word. We're looking into God's Word because we're studying the Bible. Now, how, how, do, we, how, do, we, look, how do we look into it? We look into it by as we're studying the Bible, having our heart and our mind engaged, but also we look intently into it by when the Word of God is being preached, we are sincerely listen, listening. And if we want to be blessed, we need to stop searching for man's answers to problems, and we need to look intently into the Word of God. So the first thing he says is we need to look intently into the Word of God. The second thing he says is we need to continue in God's word. We need to continue in God's word. That word continueth that James uses here, it means to remain in. Uh, too many of us are using the Bible like it's a lifeline. When life gets tough, throw me the lifeline. When, when I'm going through a trial, something's getting hard, throw me a lifeline. But the blessed person that James is talking about here isn't a person that simply looks at the Word of God seasonally when life gets tough. The blessed person is continually looking to God's Word for direction in life. And, and if we desire to have the blessings of God in our lives, we have to be living by His standards on a constant basis. So we're, we're looking intently into the Word of God and we're continuing in the Word of God. It isn't something we just do when times get tough or we need something from God. It's constant. So we need to look intently into God's Word. We need to continue in God's Word. And look at the third thing he says here. He says we need to remember God's Word. James says the blessed man is not a forgetful hearer. Or what he or she sees in the Bible makes an impact on their life. It speaks to their heart. It, it makes an impression. And when that person is faced with life circumstances, what's important to that person is what the Bible says. The truth of the Bible is important. Um, he hears the world telling him what to do in this situation. He feels the flesh tugging on him in all these different directions. But then he remembers what God says. You know, we're only going to remember what is personal to us. And if the Bible isn't personal to us, if the Bible isn't alive to us, if the Bible isn't real to us, then we're not going to remember. You know, the Bible has to be absolutely precious to us. It, it, it has to cut us. We have to feel the Word of God because it's then that we know that we're benefiting from Scripture when times get tough and and, and perhaps there's some sin in our life and we can feel the Word of God cutting at us and we can feel the Word of God uh, uh, ministering to us and comforting us as we repent of that sin, that's when the Bible's real to us. And then he says, finally, that we need to do God's Word. We need to do God's Word. The blessed man 
puts into action what he's learned in God's Word. In other words, he does more than just read the Bible. He does more than just agree with the Bible. He, he makes adjustments in his life. He lives the Bible. And that really is the main difference between the forgetful hearer and the blessed man. I want you to notice that both of these men looked into God's Word, but only one of these men actually acted on the Word of God. And so don't be like that person who looked in the mirror and forgot. Be like that person who looked into the perfect law of liberty and continued therein. So in verses 26 and 27, James gives two examples. So now he's going to give an example of a forgetful hearer of the word in verse 26. And then he's going to give an example of a doer of the word in verse 27. So let's look at verse 26 first. You see verse 26, If any man among you seem to be religious and bridles not his tongue but deceives his own heart, this, man religion, this man's religion is in vain. Now, understand, this is the person who looked into the mirror and forgot what they saw and went their way. This person, this word religious here, so this any man seems to be religious, that's a word that describes the outward works of religion. Um, it's used to describe all the rituals that take place in, in religion, all the actions that accompany a particular faith. James says some people appear, seem to be religious. Uh, they appear to be doing things for God. Maybe we could put it like this for us. They, they go to church. They get baptized, they take the Lord's Supper, maybe they even are on a committee or they serve in some type of ministry. But he says these are people who can't control their tongue. And he says because they can't control their tongue, they prove themselves to be hypocrites. Now, it's really interesting that James uses this illustration to determine if a person's religion is vain, which means worthless, or if it's not. Now, it's important for us to remember that Jesus said our heart is revealed by the way we speak. James, or Jesus said in Matthew 12, verses 34 through 37, he said, O generation of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man, out of the good treasure of the heart, brings forth good things, and an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil things. But I say unto you that every idle word men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Now, James is essentially saying what Jesus said there. He's saying if God doesn't have control of our tongue, that God doesn't have control of our heart. So no matter how much we attend church, if we speak evil things, we reveal that we have a worthless religion. And a worthless religion obviously brings you no benefit. It's not worth anything. It'll only deceive you into believing that you know God when you don't. And, and that's a really important thing when you think about if a person's religion is true or not. And James says, well, you just listen to the way they talk. If any man among you seems to be religious but bridles not his own tongue, 
you know, the words you speak are so important, and, and we live in a day in Christianity. Um, I saw this day coming probably about, about 13, 14 years ago, and, and I started preaching on it and warning on it, where you even have preachers who use profanity in the pulpit. Um, we have awful language being used by people who claim to be Christians, and perhaps they don't do it around the preacher, but you see them do it on social media. They get on Facebook. And, I, and listen, whatever you put on social media, you're saying so don't tell me, well, I didn't say it. Somebody else said it. I just posted it on social media. No, if you put it on your Facebook account, if you put it on your Instagram account, if you put it on your Twitter, you said it. I don't care if somebody else thought of it before you did. If you shared it, you said it. And so we could really look at even social media and say what you post on social media really reveals your heart. Uh, and if you're a person who uses profanity, if you're a person who speaks in an ungodly way, if you're a person even who uses racial slurs, speaking evil of different races, you do those things because you have an evil heart. You know, if you're a person who tells disgusting sexual jokes, things like that, you do those things because you have a disgusting heart. You need to be born again. You need to be saved. And I'm not going to be one of these preachers who tries to tell you, oh, you're a Christian still, you're saved, don't worry about it. I'm not going to tell you that because I love you too much. If you tell raunchy jokes, if you use racial slurs, if you use profanity and things like that, I've got just two words for you. Get saved. You need to be saved. Don't fool yourself. James says it right here as clear as day. If any man seems to be religious, but cannot bridle his tongue. This person's religion is vain. It's absolutely worthless. So in verse 27, James gives us an example of, of the godly person. He describes pure religion. So after describing the person who looked in the mirror, didn't change anything, now he describes pure religion. He says pure religion is religion that's real. Religion that's not stained with the dirtiness of an unredeemed heart. And those with a pure heart are the only ones who have a religion that really matters. Their religion is undefiled. It's not polluted with the works of ungodliness. And James gives us two characteristics of what pure religion looks like. First of all, he says that it's servant-based. James says that pure religion visits the fatherless and the widows in their affliction. The word visit means to look upon with mercy. In other words, it doesn't just mean you stop by somebody's house. It implies that you stop by someone's house to help them. You knew that person was hurting. And in James' day, no one suffered more than the orphans and the widows. These were the poor people. These were the needy people. And James' point is that religion is more than what goes on at church. It's, it's about more than, than, than just me. It's also about what's going on around us, that we should be finding the hurting people, that we should be finding the helpless people, and we should be ministering to these people. And, you know, no one modeled that more than Jesus did. When you read the Gospels and you see Jesus ministering to the lepers and you see him ministering to the widows, ministering to those who were born with birth defects, when you see that, you see the great example of Christian service in the life of Jesus. 
So, so pure religion, real religion is servant-based, but it also involves holy living. James says pure religion keeps itself unspotted from the world. Now, what is he talking about there? Well, he's talking about moral corruption. You and I are surrounded with moral corruption in this world that we live in. And anyone that has a religion that doesn't lead to righteousness, doesn't lead to righteous living, has a worthless religion. In other words, religion isn't just helping the hurting. There are many people who think that, well, religion is just helping hurting people. Religion is finding a cause or finding a people who are hurting uh, and doing things for them, and that's what religion is. No, 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 that's, that's not all there is to it here. He says that it is servant-based, but he says it's also keeping yourself unspotted from the world. It's not just about giving yourself to service. It's gi- simply giving yourself to service is humanitarianism. And humanitarianism isn't the same as Christianity. You can be a wonderful humanitarian and not be saved at all. In fact, there are many, many wonderful humanitarians who do good things for things for people in this world, but they're not saved. They're not born again. See, it's about not just giving yourself to service, but it's also about living a holy life, living a righteous life. That word unspotted, where James says keeping himself unspotted from the world, is a word that means without blemish and probably refers to the sacrificial system that the Jewish people had that whenever they would go get a lamb, they would have to find a lamb to sacrifice to the Lord that didn't have a blemish on it. Now, there isn't a single one of us that doesn't have a blemish on us. That's why we had to have the perfect lamb that was without sin, who was sacrificed for us. So while we can't be perfect, we can be holy. And we can be holy because we've been born again, we've been saved, we've got a new heart, a new nature, a new spirit, a new mind, a new walk. We have all those things, and we can live a holy life now because the risen Christ lives on the inside of us, and we have victory over sin. We've been set free from the works of darkness. So while we can't be perfect, we can be holy. And that's James' point here, that the Christian life is not just characterized by servanthood, but the Christian life is also characterized by sanctification, a holy living And you and I are called to be living sacrifices to the Lord, to offer ourselves up to the Lord. So for that reason, the Christian is very concerned about how he or she appears to that Lord, to their Lord. We want to live righteous lives. Why? Because we want to be pleasing to the Lord. Not not so he'll save us, but because he has saved us. We're going to battle temptation. We're going to live in daily repentance. We're not going to see sin as some weakness. We're not going to see sin as, well, you know, this is just kind of the way I was raised. We're going to see sin as a moral stain. We're going to see sin as rebellion against God. And we're going to be pure and long to be pure. For that reason, we're going to continually place ourselves beneath the spout of the blood of Jesus because we want to keep ourselves unspotted from the world. Listen, this world will spot you up. The things that it puts out through media, 
the thoughts and ideas. I mean, you ever went somewhere, and maybe even on Facebook, on social media, after reading a few posts and just felt dirty, felt spotted by the world? If you turn on the TV and watch a show for a little bit, and all of a sudden you feel spotted from the world, it happens. And so the true believer wants to keep himself or herself unspotted from the world. So James's point here is pretty simple. He's saying if we're not living the truths of Christianity, our own religion is a lie. Doesn't mean Christianity isn't true. Christianity will be true. There's going to be a whole lot of hypocrites in Christianity. There's going to be a whole lot of fakes in Christianity. Christianity will always be true. The question isn't whether Christianity is true or not. The question is, am I true or not? Am I a legitimate, real, honest Christian? You know, it, it would really stink to meet the Lord and realize that your life was a lie. And that's why James is warning the people here in the church. He's saying, don't think just because you come and sit and hear the Word of God preached. Don't think that just because you come and you guys help out in some service areas, don't think that just because of that you're saved. True Christianity is a living faith. It's not enough to just look at God's Word. You have to adopt God's Word. You have to live God's Word. And if you don't live God's word, James says you're deceiving yourself. Now, what he's saying here is so important that you're going to see that in just not long at all, he's going to have a whole nother section in chapter 2, beginning with verse 14 all the way through verse 26. He's going to do this whole thing all over again, but he's going to do it in even more depth and even more detail as he warns people, look, faith without works is dead you can't just look at the word of god you can't just listen to the word of god you have to be a doer of the word of god not in order to be saved but in order to reveal that you have been saved you must be a doer of the word of god so that finishes up that section tonight